Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the John Campia podcast here on this Thursday, July the 6th. I am, of course, John Campia, and I like to do on this show is talk about whatever I want, but mostly I like to take the opinions and the topics and the questions that you guys send to me. Best way to send in something to me is by emailing me at thejohncampiapodcast at gmail.com. But also, make sure you're following me on social media, on Facebook and on Twitter, because quite often I like to call for questions there as well and bring them in on, on in here into the show. So without any further ado, let's jump right into it. And the first topic today comes to us from Brandon Torres, who writes... I am beyond excited for Atomic Blonde later this month. You and me both, buddy. Anyway, since it's being directed by one of the John Wick directors, what do you think the chances are that we see Charlize Theron visit a Continental Hotel while in Berlin? Yeah, like one of the really exciting things about this upcoming Atomic Blonde movie, besides the fact that it's got Charlize Theron, and besides the fact that it's got Professor X in it. And besides the fact that the trailers had looked absolutely kick-ass in every sense of the word, it's also being directed by David Leach. Now, David Leach was one of the co-directors of the first John Wick movie. So he's bringing that sensibility to it too. So if you're looking at the trailer and you think, man, that this reminds me a lot of like a female John Wick. Well, part of the reason is because one of the John Wick directors is on it. It's Leach and Stahelski directed the original. Stahelski's directing other stuff now, and Leach is directing Atomic Blonde. And it looks amazing. However, going to your question about what do you think we are the chances that we'll see, you know, Charlize Theron's character show up at a Continental Hotel? There are a couple of reasons why that will probably not happen. Reason number one is that it is completely different production companies that are behind producing these films. Reason number two is that they are completely different distribution companies. So really, while it's action and it's a female who can kick ass, that's pretty much the only connection between this and a John Wick movie. But also another big potential problem is that, you know, the Continental Hotel is for assassins. John Wick was an assassin. Charlize Theron works for the government. She's not an assassin per se. She's some kind of super agent. I know maybe she's an assassin for the government, but that still seems like it'd be outside of the story plot for Atomic uh, Blonde. So no, just because the same director's working on it, that is the thinnest of threads. I don't think we're going to see any connection between Atomic Blonde and John Wick. How cool would that be though? I mean, seriously, but really from different companies, different distribution outlets, and the fact that, you know, this does not take take place within the world of assassins, that seems to preclude it from being there. But, I mean, who cares? This movie looks amazing, and I cannot wait to get my eyes on it. I still haven't seen it yet. I know a couple of friends of mine have seen it. There were a couple of early screenings that I missed out on, and I'm hoping within the next week or two I'm going to get a chance to see it, and I cannot wait to review this thing. So yeah, Atomic Blonde comes out later this month. Keep your eyes open for it. All right, we move on to the next question. And the next question today comes to us from Charlton Thomas, who writes, 
I recently heard Robert Downey Jr. interviewed, and he said that he wants to hang up the Iron Man suit before it gets embarrassing. Do you think Robert Downey Jr. wants to leave the MCU, or that he simply wants smaller roles in the MCU, like he does in Spider-Man Homecoming? Yeah, for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, there was a, an interview that came out with Robert Downey Jr. as he's been out promoting Spider-Man Homecoming. And, you know, somebody asked him about, you know, Iron Man beyond Avengers 4, because we all know he's going to be in Avengers 3 and Avengers 4. And he made a comment. I made a video about it on my uh, YouTube channel yesterday. So just go back and check it out. I believe the title of the video is like Robert Downey Jr. hints at leaving the MCU or something like that. You can find my video on it there. But basically, he did make the point of like, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long I want to do this because, I mean, I love doing it, but I want to stop before it becomes embarrassing. Now, he's not saying that the MCU is embarrassing. He's not saying his character is embarrassing. He just doesn't want to overstay his welcome. He doesn't want to be one of these actors where it was like he left too late. Like he should have left a little bit sooner, kind of like an athlete that hangs around one season too long or something like that. But I don't think it has anything to do with wanting a smaller role. Remember, I don't think Robert Downey Jr. does much action in the MCU at all. Most of the time when we see Iron Man, like not Tony Stark, but most of the time when we see Iron Man, it's usually a CGI character. So I know in the first Iron Man, or in the first little while, Tony, I mean, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. had to walk around in like this 150-pound suit of armor sort of thing. He didn't do any of the action sequences in it, not that I'm aware of at any rate. But so I don't think this that's really an issue. I don't think it's a physically demanding thing for him to do anymore. I think most of the quote-unquote heavy lifting is done by CGI, and then he just performs the acting parts. So if he decides to step away, I don't think it'll be so he can reduce his workload and just take smaller parts and smaller roles because as things stand, I mean, I bet he was probably only on set shooting for Spider-Man Homecoming maybe a week. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess he was on set for a week. If you add up all the time together that he was shooting scenes, it was probably a week. So he doesn't really have to be in things that much. He doesn't have to do the heavy lifting per se. So I think really if he wants to step away, it's because he feels like his time is done. And if he feels his time is done, he'll be gone. Now, I don't think he's going to be gone. I don't think the MCU wants to kill off Tony Stark. I don't think the MCU wants to be without Iron Man. So I think he's going to be Iron Man beyond Avengers 4. But he may choose to hang him up. And if he does, good for him. All right, let's move on to the next question. And the next question today comes to us from Keyshawn Lewis, who writes, Ghost in the Shell was no movie of the year, but I don't think people actually realize how successful this film is in being a live action adaptation coming out of Hollywood. I also love, I, sorry, I also observed the unsatisfactory reception of most movie critics. But as a fan of the series, do you think these responses could hinder a possible sequel? And is Paramount and Rupert even in talks to continue? Yeah, look, I was all for Ghost in the Shell. Like, I don't know if you remember me talking about it long before, like, the movie came out. I was all for it. I was looking forward to it. And quite frankly, I was one of those film pundits who was disappointed with it. I thought it was a pretty blah movie. Certainly not, you know, it's not Baywatch. It's not Transformers badly. It's not like one of the worst films of the year or anything like that. But blah, I think that's the best word. It was a blah movie. It didn't do anything for me. And I had to tell people that I knew who asked me, hey, should we go see it? I'd say, eh, nah, I'd skip it if I were you. Um, it just wasn't that good. Now, the main problem, though, with the idea of getting a sequel 
is not the critic reviews. Although I'm sure that that doesn't help. I think it's got, it doesn't have the worst rating either. It's got like a 45%. So critics were pretty much split. The real problem though was how much money it lost. It lost in the neighborhood of $40 million for the studio. Because I believe the production budget on Ghost in the Shell was around $110 million. And I believe its worldwide take was around 165. So once you take that 110, you add probably about 40 million, a good 40 million dollars for marketing. So now you're up to 150. And then out of that 169 it made, you take away about one third of that for the, for the movie theater's take. And now you're in a position where this movie lost 30, 40, 50 million dollars, depending on how you decide to do the math. Either way, it was a money loser. Studios are not in the business to lose money. They don't like putting out movies and investing money into things that are actually going to cost them coin as opposed to making them coin. So no, I have heard no talks of Paramount or any other studio wanting to pick up and do another Ghost in the Shell at this point. Uh, I think this one's probably gone. It'll probably get rebooted in five, ten years time. But I think this particular franchise right now, I think it's been played out. All right. Thanks a lot for the question. My next question, this is an interesting one, comes from Anthony Perez, who writes, My question is regarding this Facebook post Sylvester Stallone recently put up, implying that the sequel to Creed will involve Adonis fighting the son of Ivan Drago, or even Drago himself. While this idea is all kinds of awesome, it does raise a question. Is Stallone writing and directing Creed 2 himself? Yeah, if you guys have not been following this, Sylvester Stallone went on a bit of a Facebook post you know, binge. He put out like three posts with pictures of like, and, and hashtagging them all, Creed 2. The one was like a picture of him filming Rocky IV with, uh, with Ivan Drago in the ring and he's like on his back, right? He's on his back while he's doing push-ups. Then another picture is of Apollo and Drago in the ring together as Stallone is directing them. And then another picture is actually a Photoshop picture of Ivan Drago in the ring facing off against Adonis Creed. And all of them had the hashtag Creed 2 and all this kind of stuff into it. So it's got a lot of people wondering, is, okay, so is Stallone just basically telling us that either A, Apollo is going to be fighting Drago himself, because remember, Drago's younger than Stallone. There is younger than Rocky, I should say. So maybe he's an old man. Maybe this is Drago's Rocky V. I mean, who knows? Maybe this is, or Rocky VI, I should say. Maybe this is Drago's Rocky VI. Remember Rocky VI when he came out of retirement just to prove that he could still do it and fight the champ? So maybe that's the situation with Drago here. Or maybe it's the son of Drago. Either way, there's some interesting drama there because it's not really... Rocky's beef with Drago. Remember, Drago killed Apollo's father in the ring. Drago killed Apollo. And so, you know, for Adonis to get into the ring and fight the guy who killed his father, that's interesting. But there's even a grudge match element there if it's Drago's son. I mean, so that's there too. Now look, nothing in the post directly said Drago or son of Drago is going to be in Creed 2. Nothing, nothing directly said that. Obviously, he was implying it, but nothing directly said that. So the question is, I mean, was Stallone making these posts and making these social media claims and all this kind of stuff? Is it reasonable to think that he's writing or directing the film? Look, honestly, off the top of my head, I have not heard that Stallone was going to direct it. Um, I don't know that that's the case. Now, Ryan Coogler who directed the first Creed in Fruitvale Station and, of course, is directing the upcoming Black Panther. 
He's direct, he's busy with Black Panther, but then they've already announced that him and Michael B. Jordan are going to be working on another project together afterwards. And obviously Michael B. Jordan has to be in Creed too as well. So I don't know if Coogler's going to be available to direct, but we've known for a while that Ryan Coogler may not be back to direct Creed 2. We know that, which is unfortunate because he did such a great job on that first one. So it does leave the door open if Stallone, I guess, wants to come in and direct the second one. I don't know. The answer is basically that. I don't know. But it is an interesting theory. And seeing Stallone kind of taking control of the social media messaging of the movie like this, maybe it does suggest he's going to be directing. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Stallone is going to actually end up directing Creed 2? Jump into the comment section and let me know yay or nay. Just let me know what you think is going to happen there. All right. The next question comes to us from Micah Delgado, who writes, Alien Covenant stands as my favorite film of the year thus far, and Ridley Scott has stated that he plans to make at least two more films in this Alien prequel series. However, the film overall was a box office disappointment, and the critical reception was about the same as Prometheus. With the disappointing returns of Covenant and Ridley Scott coming up on 80 this year, will we see another Ridley Scott Alien film? I'm going to tell you, look, I know it wasn't the popular opinion. I liked Alien Covenant. I liked it a lot more than Prometheus. Now, concept-wise, conceptually, Prometheus was the better film, conceptually. But I believe, I felt like they blew the execution of Prometheus. Like, I love the high concept of what Prometheus was supposed to be. I love the high concept of it. I just didn't feel like they executed it well. And to me, it ended up being a mediocre to subpar movie that I didn't enjoy. Alien Covenant kind of picked up on some of those conceptual themes of Prometheus. Not the big ones, but on some of them. And at the same time, kind of got back to the spirit of the second Alien film, Aliens. I thought the action was terrific. I thought it was legitimately scary. I really, I enjoyed it. It was one of my top five films of the year or anything, but I enjoyed Alien Covenant. And I actually thought a lot more people would have liked it too, because I saw an early screening of it and I remember watching it and I thought to myself, people are going to love this. I was wrong. People didn't love it. Some people loved it, like you, Micah. You enjoyed it. And I'm glad that you and I can enjoy that film. And a bunch of people liked it, but weren't all that thrilled with it. The problem again, though, is much like Ghost in the Shell, is going to come down to a question of box office. It did not perform. Didn't perform great. And I don't know if the studio is going to want to go in and put up more big money for a Ridley Scott alien film. And honestly, at this point, you know, with Ridley turning 80, he's probably got a few more projects and a few more ideas he wants to see on the screen. So maybe he starts to think, ah, okay, Covenant didn't work out. Let's move on from this. I only got a certain number of years left to actually direct. So why don't I move on from this and move on to some other projects that I'm excited about? So I'm going to go out on a limb and take a guess. Again, this is just guessing that I do not think we're going to see another alien film, at least not one in this particular series as directed by Ridley Scott. I don't think we're going to see another one at this point. Now, I also don't think they're going to revitalize Neil Blomkamp's alien, you know, what was it? It was going to be alien 17, whatever his idea was, his concept was. I think his concept was going to be like pretending that like alien three and four didn't exist or whatever. I can't remember exactly, but I don't think they're going to go back to Neil Blomkamp. They've scrapped that. But uh, yeah, I think maybe this alien covenant franchise is done for now. I hope I'm wrong. I'd like to see another one. Let's see what happens. All right. And the final question today comes to us from Chris Clow, who writes, With Universal releasing the director's cut of Fast and Furious 8, exclusive to digital, 
Is the studio signaling Blu-ray is dying? Yeah, this is an interesting thing. I've actually read conflicting reports on this. I have read some reports that are claiming that the fast, the, the fate of the furious or fast eight or whatever you like to call it coming out is going to have an extended director's cut on the Blu-ray. But I'm also reading that the Blu-ray, when you buy the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray, there's going to be a code on the Blu-ray and then to use that code to download the extended director's cut, which sounds like an odd move to me. So honestly, at this point, I'm hearing conflicting reports. Let me know what you guys are hearing. But let's operate on the assumption for a second that the second part is true, that the extended director's cut is not going to be on the Blu-ray. There's just going to be a code for you to download. Does that signal the coming demise of Blu-ray? I don't know. Like, I believe the the demise of Blu-ray is coming. I really do. I just believe digital is the way to go. I talked a little bit about that on yesterday's podcast. I do believe that digital is the way to go. There's just too many advantages to digital. But there's a few advantages to the Blu-rays as well. I know a lot of people like having that physical copy in their hand. I totally get that. I understand that completely. But I don't know that this particular move signals that they want to move away from it. Maybe they just figure it's a cheaper way to do it. Um, it is interesting, I think, the fact that you got to buy the Blu-ray to get the code in the first place. So if they're trying, if the studio's motive here was to separate people from the physical Blu-rays, then making people buy the Blu-ray to get the code in the first place seems like an odd way of going about trying to separate people from the Blu-ray. So while I do believe that the age of Blu-ray is going to be coming to an end in the next couple of years, and it's pretty much all going to become digital streaming, I don't necessarily think this one instance of them having a extended director's cut be a digital exclusive, I don't think that really has anything to do with it per se. It, if anything, if it's even true, to me it more smells like a cost-saving mechanism than anything else. But I'm not really sure. What do you guys think? Jump down to the comment section and let me know your thoughts. Do you think Blu-ray is going to be around for another 10, 20 years? Or do you think it's going to kind of be a thing of the past within the next five like I kind of do? Let me know your thoughts. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for this installment of the John Campia podcast. A couple things I want to remind you of, though. Uh, the John Campia podcast is now eligible for the podcast awards. Look in the description of this video. I'm going to put in a link. And if you could do me a favor, if you enjoy the John Campia podcast, click on that link. That'll take you to the podcast awards website. And all you got to do is register as a nominator. Then once you register, then you can nominate podcasts. And if you look under the film and TV category... And if you look under the People's Choice category, you'll find the John Campia podcast. Please, if you are so inclined, nominate the John Campia podcast in both TV and film and People's Choice. That would be incredibly helpful. But I also want to remind you about this great app that I've been using for a couple of years now called Share the Meal. All of us, deep down, we want to make a difference in the world and make somebody's life a little bit better. I have found no simpler, easy, and less expensive way to do it than this little app, called Share the Meal. You can get it on iOS or Android, and it's real simple. Every once in a while, for me, my mental trigger is when I go out to eat. And when I pay the bill, I use that as a reminder. Oh yeah, Share the Meal. I pull up my app and just hit the button that says Share the Meal. Instantly, that donates $3.50. That feeds a kid for a week. You feed a hungry child for a week. 
It's a fun, easy experience that I think you're going to get hooked on participating in and it'll make you feel like a million bucks too. So please participate in Share the Meal. Also, since you're here, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. Make sure you're following me on social media, on Facebook and on Twitter, simply out at John Campia and keep your eye on my YouTube page all the time. I do all the updated breaking news throughout the day. That'll do it for me, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, bye-bye. At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at american.edu slash gradschool. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.